This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Saturday edition of the best of Fight Back from the week that was. Why are we seeing COVID-19 outbreaks among residents in long-term care when about 95% of them have been fully vaccinated against the virus? The latest outbreak is at the Arbor Creek Long-Term Care Home in Hamilton, where 11 residents and several staff members recently tested positive for COVID-19. It could be a testament to the strength of the Delta variant, which is now the dominant strain of COVID-19 in Ontario. While filling in for Libby on Monday, I was joined by our Zoomer squad to discuss. Here are Peter Mugrich, senior editor at Zoomer magazine, Bill Van Gorder, chief operating officer and chief policy officer at CARP, and David Kravitz, chief membership officer at CARP and vice president here at Zoomer Media. Well, I think that uh, the question you posed at the beginning, why is this happening, is unanswerable. We don't know. The the home in question seemed to have, I think they said, 94% of the residents had been vaccinated, the uh, 68%, 70%, I think, of the staff. So it may speak to the strength of the virus. You're quite right. But I think one of the problems is how little we know about the seriousness of the virus, just as an average engaged reader, I'm not particularly fanatic on it, but it's just reading it, following it the way we all do. I'm hearing that it's very contagious, but not very serious. Mm-hmm. And other people are saying it is very serious. So um, I don't think we can get to stopping all of this. If our goal is zero, uh, you know, zero uh, cases, I think we're going to be doing this three years from now. Uh, vaccines were supposed to provide an iron ring of protection. Those were the words of Premier Doug Ford, his health minister, Christine Elliott, uh, around long-term care homes. But, Bill, we're, we're not seeing that. Vaccines uh, are allowing the Delta variant to spread in some nursing homes. That's right. And, and uh, of course, that statement about the iron ring was made before the variants and, and shows that we just we're still learning about this virus and what uh, uh, can happen. Uh, we're finding that the people who are vaccinated still can carry it. Uh, we don't know how severe this outbreak is. In Toronto, we're told that if people are vaccinated, uh, their symptoms will be less severe. That may be, be true. The research is still uh, catching up with it. But the bottom line is that uh, we now know that vaccination isn't the absolute uh, 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 way to solve the problem. We also have to keep uh, the other uh, things that we were keeping in place, uh, uh, self-distancing and other things to stop from spreading the, spreading the virus and, uh, and not let our guard down just because we think we're all well vaccinated. Well, well, certainly we are seeing evidence that even though you are fully vaccinated, you can still contract the Delta variant of the virus. I guess what's positive in all of this, Peter, is that we're not seeing deaths anywhere near like what we did in the first and second waves when nursing home residents contracted COVID-19. 
No, and and it, it seems that um, you know the the uh, the issue, the press release issue. It was all it, was, it wasn't very alarmist at all. It just said mm-hmm. a number of our residents have it. Um, they didn't mention any deaths or any serious complications, any hospitalizations. So um, that does lend hope that the current vaccination uh, regimen is is at least reducing the effect of the the new variant and um and and that's a good thing if if it's just going to cause sickness then i think we can live with that if it's going to cause death as it did in the first three waves then um that's a whole different story david can we live with this is enough being done to protect the residents of the homes maybe maybe the new variants are less severe and certainly what we ought to be aiming for is preventing death uh, and we're coming up to the flu season pretty soon. In a great year, in a terrific year, we have maybe 58, 60% of Canadians vaccinated. We have several thousand deaths a year from flu, and we don't shut down our entire economy. Um, so if we're looking to get out of this, I think we have to gradually get used to the idea that maybe, uh, you know, we, we need to watch these variants closely, but maybe if they just cause no illness, but not the same rate of fatality, maybe we have to uh, accept that as as all that can be achieved realistically. David Kravitz, Chief Membership Officer at CARP and Vice President at Zoomer Media, Peter Mugrich, Senior Editor at Zoomer Magazine, and Bill Van Gorder, Chief Operating Officer and Chief Policy Officer at CARP. Fight Back's Monday Zoomer Squad. You're listening to the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. There is a growing call to require healthcare workers in this province to get vaccinated against COVID-19. So far, the premier is not budging on his stance in refusing to make COVID vaccinations mandatory for all Ontario healthcare employees. No, I think it's their constitutional right to take it or not take it. These are super bright people that work their backs off. The unsung heroes, as I as I say, the PSWs and the uh, the nurses and the docs. That, you know, they they understand healthcare a lot better than I do. So we encourage them to do it. I've been up here for months, begging, pleading everyone to get it, but uh, no one should be forced to do anything. That was Doug Ford a week ago Thursday, a day before a news release was put out by the Ontario Medical Association calling for mandated vaccinations for all healthcare workers. Other groups, like the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario, are also calling for this policy to be implemented, saying the premier is on the wrong side of science. To provide us with more of his perspective, I was joined by OMA President Dr. Adam Kassim. Well, Jane, the first thing I think that your your listeners should understand is that, or is that the vaccines are safe, that they are effective, and we're seeing that with lower case counts, improved ICU capacity across the province, and really a general restoration of our health system capacity. Remember, about seven or eight months ago when we were in the middle of, I guess, the second wave we had to shut down a lot of our healthcare infrastructure in order to make room to take care of COVID-19 patients. And what that amounted to ultimately was that we then had a backlog of care for everyone else in the province started starting to grow. 
And so ultimately what we know now, of course, is that since we have the vaccines, which are a medical miracle, to be very honest, we know that the vaccines are the best way to stop the spread of COVID-19 and really become an essential component in being able to protect not only our friends and family that we love, of course, but also our patients who we serve. And so we, we believe that the healthcare workers who are working in these settings should be fully vaccinated. And on Friday, we released our statement, which we're proud to share that 98% of doctors who completed our survey indicated that they were fully vaccinated. So to me, that shows that docs are not only talking the talk, but they're also walking the walk and they're leading by example. Premier Ford does not appear ready to change his perspective or stance on this. So why the push when he is clearly saying no? Is there is there some thought that he might change his mind? And you're going to have to ask the premier and the government that question. And I think what we are seeing now on the ground is that uh, any any success that we have or have had and hopefully will continue to have throughout this pandemic is based on collaboration, based on teamwork and all hands on deck approach, which the profession has been doing over the past 16 months. And so those, again, that, that kind of discussion and those decisions happen with other stakeholders like provincial and federal governments, with institutions who are self-governing as far as their policies are concerned. And I do think that there will hopefully be um, an ability to, to, to find a, a critical path forward for success. So, so Dr. Kassam and Dr. Adam Kassam is the president of the Ontario Medical Association. Why the extra push now? Do, do you sense that there is a bit of a slowing down of the vaccination process? I think that we've seen some data that shows that we are perhaps hitting a a ceiling that uh, we would like to be a little bit higher. And of course, in the context of the Delta variant that uh, is is spreading into other jurisdictions around the world, when we think of, for example, the United States, who we recently surpassed per capita, so percentage of our population that's fully vaccinated, which is a remarkable feat in and of itself, given the fact that we started a little bit later in our vaccination rollout, what we're finding down there is that uh, the, the the next wave, which we desperately want to avoid here in Ontario and, of course, in Canada, is happening amongst the unvaccinated. And so this 20% of folks right now who remain unvaccinated in Canada as far as their first dose uh, is concerned and, and second dose is, of course, rolling out now, uh, we really want that number to be lower. And so this is really a concerted effort to make sure that we try and inch that uh, that ceiling up. And I do believe that communication and education and having people have exposure and access to the right information to make a decision will be the best way. Well, and certainly vaccinations are required uh, for students in our public school system. They have to get their mumps, rubella, uh, measles vaccines, and they have to be kept up to date in order to to secure a spot in a classroom. And you're absolutely right, Jane. And, and let's not forget what we are seeing in other parts of the world with, among the unvaccinated is that the healthcare system once again becomes stressed. So it's not just about uh, people's rights, but what end up, ends up happening is you ha- we, ha- we, we desperately want to avoid another situation in Ontario where we are having to reorganize our healthcare system. 16 million points of care, non-COVID points of care, have been delayed as a result of the pandemic. That means people's cancer screening is going delayed. It means that people's hips and knee replacements are, are being delayed, all because we had to create capacity in our healthcare system. And we don't want to have to do that again because everyone else and all of their healthcare needs are affected in the same way. My conversation on Monday with OMA President Dr. Adam Kassam. You're listening to the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. Coming up after the break, Anime Paul rises above as Green Party council members issue a court challenge rooted in her leadership. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Good isn't good enough. Make way for the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. On Monday, the leader of the federal Green Party spoke publicly for the first time since we learned that members of the Green Party executive were considering ousting Annamie Paul as leader and possibly revoking her party membership. According to Annamie Paul, she confirmed that a non-confidence motion against her planned for Tuesday had been canceled and that no similar motions will be proposed before the next party convention, August 21st. She also confirmed the membership review had been shelved. But the Green leader admitted she considered stepping down but decided to stay on because she didn't want to let down the Green Party members who voted for her, despite how painful this process has been for her and her family especially since she said she values her integrity, which had been called into question. While filling in for Libby Snymer, I was joined on Tuesday by our strategy panelists for their reactions to Annamie Paul's comments. Bob Richardson is a liberal strategist and senior counsel to National Public Relations. John Capobianco is senior vice president and senior partner at Fleischman Hillard High Road. And Karen Stintz is CEO of Variety Village. Well, you know, I think she was certainly in a, you know, in between a rock and a hard place, really, because the party has basically pulled out the rug from underneath her. And she's, her staff has been fired. Her, her campaign money has been taken away. She doesn't have a seat. Um, she's trying to lead the party, lead a campaign. There's this non-confidence vote. It, it, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just quite awful, really. Um, you know, I thought the conservatives were bad at beating up on their own, but you know, the Greens <laughs> take it to a whole new level, and it's just for, like for her. I mean, I don't really know that there's anything she could have said other than what she said was that it's been hard. Um, you know, her integrity was called into question. It was, and uh, you know, she's decided that she wants to keep at the helm. And my guess is that she'll, no matter what happens out of this next election, that she's going to have to do some soul searching to decide if she wants to stay on as leader. John is the conservative in the group here. Uh, I'll let you go next, <laughs> maybe in part to respond to Karen's comments. <laughs> well, no, thanks for that. But uh, look, they have taken this to a whole new level. Uh, and, and Bob is, is also a, a party member and, and will, will appreciate this because all, all political parties have their, you know, their own infighting that happens. And, and we try to contain it as much as we can so that we don't, we don't air the dirty laundry. But this is just, they've taken this to a whole new level. Like normally political parties will, will sort of, you know, have leadership discussions and infighting after an election if, if the party loses. But to have a, this kind of a display of dysfunction and, and animosity, uh, you know, weeks before an election is crazy. And the fact that they would even think about revoking a membership of their leader, you know, as, as everybody's getting ready and, and touring and doing their, their pre-election, uh, you know, um, you know, just, just it, 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 trips and, and uh, events and this kind of stuff was, was just beyond. They've lost a lot of valuable time, Jane, not only because this kind of stuff is now not only aired publicly, because sometimes a lot of this is inside baseball and it's only sort of, you know, only the political watchers tend to watch. But this kind of news that's been hitting front pages of the papers, leading in, in various networks 
you know, Canadians are seeing this and saying, well, what the heck is going on with this party? And why would I even vote for them? So, but this kind of, this kind of dirty laundry and, and, and stuff that's happening, uh, it's so intense that it's actually hurt them. So the fact that they've kind of revoked or gone back on this is good news for them. But I think it might be too little too late. I think the damage is done. The fact that Elizabeth May was, was, you know, was public on Sunday in some report or some newspaper saying that she was told not to comment on this is bizarre. Like the whole thing is bizarre and, and it's hurt them. It's, you know, it's hurt them immensely. Bizarre is a great descriptive for what is happening in the Green Party. Bob Richardson, what do you make of all of this? Well, two words, amateur hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is uh, it is not good. It is not good for any political uh, any uh, political party to go through this. But I've also not seen a new leader in any major political party go through this in the last thirty to thirty five years. This woman won by twelve. Uh, this woman got twelve thousand votes in an open race. She won by nine points. Winning a leadership by nine points is huge. I ran a leadership once. We won by nine votes. And we didn't put up with any of this sort of nonsense that you see going on. So I think we're seeing a lot of, quite frankly, anti-Semitism. We're seeing misogyny. And frankly, we're seeing some racism, too, as well. It's a bit of a trifecta inside of the Green Party. So, uh, you know, look, there are those who say that uh, she's a difficult leader to deal, deal with. She's not a great listener. Well, I can point to a whole lot of men who fit that description in the last 30 to 35 years who haven't put up with this sort of nonsense. And Elizabeth May's conduct uh, has been not great uh, for somebody who's supposed to be sort of the the, uh, the mother of the party, if you want to call that now, uh, their longest serving member of parliament, a former leader. She should be trying to figure out ways to lower the temperature and make things work for the new leader. And she and her supporters appear to be pouring gas on the fire in the background. Bob Richardson is a liberal strategist and senior counsel to national public relations. John Capobianco is senior vice president and senior partner at Fleischman Hillard High Road. And Karen Stintz is CEO of Variety Village. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. So that was Tuesday. On Wednesday, we learned of a new chapter in the unfolding saga of infighting in the Green Party of Canada. Court filings reveal lawyers for the Green Party want to overturn arbitration orders that paused any threat to enemy Paul's leadership. The legal maneuver ends a brief ceasefire between Green Party executive members and leader enemy Paul, ahead of a likely fall federal election. Before the court challenge was announced, Libby was joined by enemy Paul, who admitted this jockeying to oust her has been hurtful, but she has decided to move forward. I'm really trying um, very hard to get back to where my attention should be and where our party's attention should be, which is on the issues that, that we all care about, the climate, progressive social policies, and also preparing for what looks to be an election this year. I sure hope that we don't have one, but we certainly need to be prepared, and uh, that's where our attention should be. Uh, Elizabeth May, the former party leader, finally made a statement on this. Uh, It seemed to support you, but I I have to say not in a very fulsome way. 
Well, I'm happy to. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful that Elizabeth has uh, has put out a statement, and uh, I, you know, I, I think I think each person uh, will read it and 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 come to their own conclusions. What I see there is support, and I'm grateful for it. There's so much work to be done, and and I'm really committed to that. I know they are too. It seems like. Uh, the faction that wanted you out was very public, while people who supported you were very quiet. When was the last time prior to Monday that I had said anything about any of these issues? And it had been three weeks. And I think the thing with me and with uh, with those who are really focused uh, where they should be is that we've tried very much to stay focused on that. And I've encouraged people to do that. You know, I am not, uh, I'm not leading a faction. I am not interested in a feud or any sort of infighting whatsoever. My job is to be the top tier leader for our party. And, you know, if I'm not able to do that, then I really shouldn't be saying anything. So I think that if we're going to usher in a new type of politics, a new culture in politics that is more inclusive uh, and that is more welcoming to people that are frankly turned off by politics right now, that there have to be some people modeling what it looks like. And so that's what I'm trying to do. And I think the people who support me, they're trying to do that as well. Was anti-Semitism a factor in the move to oust you? I have I, I have no and I I have no information about that at all. As I said, you know, in in terms of attributing motives to people, it's really absolutely not my style. Um, what I what I do believe is that whatever the motives, uh, the uh, the response, uh, the decision uh, to to uh, introduce the motion was completely disproportionate and absolutely not in the interest of the party. Um, particularly given the fact that there's an automatic leadership review uh, once the uh, once we have the next election. So you know, I I hope again that that is behind us and that we can move ahead with some certainty and, and clarity, but. You know, I've been very careful with my words. Um, the allegations that were leveled against me back in June uh, contained allegations that were definitely racist and definitely sexist, but I have never used those words in any other context um, or directed at any particular person, and I'm going to keep that because I'm, I'm seeking to be an honorable um, person in politics. Okay. Uh, what would you like to leave us with? Well, first, I'd like to get your commitment that you'll invite me back on again. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. And uh, then just to say, you know, it's just a, it's a brand new day. Uh, you know, you you've been around a long time, and I have too. And, and a day a day in politics is uh, is <laughs> a day in politics is a lifetime. So hopefully, a month from now, you know, we're back on our feet and we're talking about the issues. We're talking about the climate and social policy. And this will all be a distant memory that I tell my grandkids about. Anime Paul, leader of the Green Party of Canada. I'm Jane Brown, and this is Zuma Radio's Best of Fight Back. Still to come, what you had to say about the week that was and the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Zoomer Radio, pulling no punches with the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Fight Back with Libby Snymer brings you comprehensive coverage of the news stories that interest you and your reaction to them on the phones. We've gone through the audio. Here are some of the best calls of the past week. 
Derek in Toronto phoned about a growing request to make COVID vaccination mandatory for healthcare workers. I think that uh, it should not be mandatory. Uh, we have rights, and this is not a communist country. If, if, if they're going to tell us what to do, what, what, what are they going to do? They're going to start telling us to lock our doors, don't lock our doors. Like this is not a dictator country, so we should we have rights, and we should be able to do, make our own decisions. Carol in Niagara Falls thinks differently about mandatory vaccines for healthcare workers. Yes, I think it should be mandatory for anybody who works in any kind of service, whether it be the grocery store, the hairstylist, or anybody. You're coming in contact with people like myself who have an immune deficiency plus a blood disorder. I can't afford to be sick. They have to be vaccinated in order for people like me not to be get sick. And now, Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week comes from Mike in Bowmanville, who phoned in about the Tokyo Olympics, which are being held while the COVID pandemic continues. I think the whole concept of the Olympic Games has been cheapened and adulterated by drug use. Um, it, you have to wonder, the sprinters and the, the cyclists and anybody else, there's so many of them are caught using drugs. You have to wonder if the people who get the gold medals have got the best therapists. So, first of all, I have no interest in it, whatever, and I'm not going to watch it. Secondly, do I think it should be held at the moment? I think the answer is no. There's undoubtedly a possibility of exponentially spreading this COVID virus. And all I had to do was to delay it, either until the Japanese population is adequately protected by vaccination or until the COVID situation has quietened down. I mean, they didn't hold the Olympic Games during World War II. And this would appear to be as disruptive a force globally as was World War II. That does it for today's Best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us noon to one weekdays. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca. Follow us on Twitter at fightbacklibby. And call our Fight Back voicemail anytime at 416-367-9636. I'm Jane Brown. Join me again at the same time tomorrow when we'll round up the rest of the best of Fight Back. The best of Fight Back is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi, with technical production by Kelly Robotham. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.